Hey, all you listeners out there, it is time once again for Movie Mastery, a spooky Horrortoberfest edition here right on the cusp of Halloween. I am your host, John, with me as always, my co-host, Jeff. Greetings. And a special little trick-or-treat for all of you out there, <laughs> my wonderful, close, good, amazing friend and co-star on the Arms of the Tide podcast, Chanel is here. Hi! It's great to be here. A little trick-or-treat. You're a little trick-or-treat. <laughs> I'm a little trick-or-treat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this time around, we watched Bad Hair. We sure did. And it was. Yeah. Yes. It was It was definitely a movie that I have seen now. And yeah. <laughs> do you have any non-spoiler reviews for the folks? Uh, I thought it was a delight. I thought it was fucking fantastic. This is the, for yeah. the third movie, this Horrortoberfest cycle I've been forced to watch, you maybe watch that god-awful found footage thing i don't even remember what it was at this point and then the one about youtubers getting killed and i honestly no. when i saw the name and the description on this one it was like bad hair an evil weave goes rogue i was like oh shit this is gonna be like <laughs> some scary movie sick shit <laughs> but no it's fucking fantastic yes indeed it's uh the same director that did dear white people mm -hmm. as well that makes a lot of sense <clears throat> but uh yeah so i thought you know Good. If there was anything I would say about this that was detracting from it, I would definitely say it's got a bit of a pacing problem. Yeah. Mm, I could see that. I mean, just as far as the moving from scene to scene, getting to, like, sort of the, the juicier bits of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get so. that a little bit. On the other hand, this movie's got... It's not like it's the best effects I've ever seen, so I think they use them sparingly right. well. And honestly, I was really enjoying the, uh, you know, non-spoiler, this movie set in 1989, and I could have just stayed in that, that uh, period piece space forever and been happy. Yeah, it did seem like having not ever lived in the 80s uh, definitely put me there in what I would have imagined uh, every other 80s film was like, so it felt a lot like that. But also at the same time, like, that's when weaves were starting to often pop. And historically, I thought it was super cool because in the 80s, um, you see, like, there's a shift in how black women are doing their hair. And it was also, like, very innovative at the time. And especially, like, you know, 89, you're peeking into the 90s. Black women hair is just the creativity explodes. And this is kind of like, historically, I thought that... From a hair aspect, I thought that it was awesome. Same. I, I particularly appreciated the complexity of people's reactions to it, because you had a lot of different peop like people in the movie from different world viewpoints. Mm -hmm. like you have a college professor, and he's got an opinion on the hair. Yep. Uh, I just, it versus like a high fashion executive who has a different opinion, and it was, and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't quite go the way you would think that plays out, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nice to see all of the different points of view and then also just sort of the way in which not just the outside point of view but sort of that internal struggle as far as like what is this saying about me if i try and make my right. hair look a certain way you know am yeah. i becoming someone else yeah and also there's rad monster shit towards the end so there you go and pretty good comedic moments too which the cast is 
loaded, like fully loaded. All bases are loaded and they have some great um, yeah. comedians of today, like Nicole J. Farrow. That was all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus, you've got a lot of really great uh, sort of the 80s actors and actresses in there. Oh, too. yeah. It's a, mm-hmm. It is definitely, like you say, it is jam packed with uh, some talent in there. Plus, my best friend said yeah. there's an appearance by Usher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, overall positive. We are, of course, mm-hmm. going to be doing the full in-depth spoilerific review. So if you want to go uh, watch it yourself, it is on Hulu. You can go see that now. And uh, we are going to play just a little bit of music, and then we'll be right back with the full in-depth review of Bad Hair. We're back, and it is time to dive deep and get our hands all up into that bad hair. Man, I cannot wait. This was so neat. <laughs> I'm very excited. I, I was very pleasantly surprised with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it is definitely sort of a fun, campy, horror, comedy type thing. But I mean, it it is actually pretty decent as well, so that's neat. There are things about this I openly loved well before we got to the horror part. One right. of the things about this movie I really liked was that it's got a horror score from, you know, the jump, even though the horror mm-hmm. stuff doesn't start for about half the movie. Yeah. So you're getting all these awesome shots of of our main character, um, Anna, getting off of a bus at, at the end of a shitty hard day at her job and lighting up a cigarette. But you've got a classic 80s horror score backing that up, and it's just neat. Well, yeah, you also get that for, uh, like, you see when she's going into her job at Not MTV, like, (laughs) you have this sort of monolithic structure that she's going into and this horror score behind it. And again, this is before any sort of, like, monster nonsense has happened. Yeah. I thought it was also kind of cool, like, that there was the overall, like, grit to the film texture. Like, it was all texture. Which I thought was cool because, I mean, we're talking about textured hair in a way, um, but I, it did also help add to the 80s vintage fe- effect. Yeah, and it's not that hard to do an 80s period piece movie, but they oh, really gosh, did no. capture a lot of the stuff that helps, like mm-hmm. that ultra smoggy LA skyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just so cool. Uh, it opens with them. It's, it doesn't open in the 80s. It opens in the early 70s with some kids. Yeah, because... Sort of before the whole weave uh, explosion happened, we had uh, these two sisters, uh, our main character as a kid, and trying to use a a chemical wash to straighten the hair, essentially. Right. So basically, she's putting a relaxer. And if I wasn't mistaken, that was her cousin, right? Yeah, I believe so, because it's her uncle and aunt that are the, that the uh, adults in. in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they but were I, putting, yeah. like... So, you know, adoptive-ish. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh. So they're putting a chemical relaxer in, and a chemical relaxer is awful. Like, one of the worst things you could do to your hair, because I did that to my hair when I was a little bit older than her, but for a very long time. And you do get burns like you see right off the bat. And I think that that kind of started us out with like the the kind of gore we're to expect, I guess. 
um, very up close and uh, a little not on the nose with it being uncomfortable, but you could feel that secondhand ouch and that like, this is effed up and you kind of effed up my hair. Um, Chemical relaxers are the devil and Mm -hmm. uh, it's very much... It plays into the rest of the film, but, you know, after everyone basically did it in the 50s to flatten their hair out and have, like, white hairstyles and stuff like that. Um, And I don't want to get too much into it because almost the whole entire film. But it's crazy putting young, young girls under this and almost every young black woman has done this in their lives. Weird story. I have done this as well. Oh, man. A perm as in curl perm or relaxer, relaxer? Relaxer as in I had to go to the black aisle in the hair care store. Oh, baby! Yeah, I uh, w- when I was a kid, and I still have the same hair, but when I was a really right. little kid, my hair, my hair was like an even mix between Jewish kid and black kid, despite being neither of those. Yeah. And I, I took a lot of uh, heat from young racist associates mm-hmm. of mine who called me Jeffro. Yeah, um, of course. And so I tried it. I tried this shit, and yeah, it burned the fuck out of my head, and yep. I looked like fucking flock of seagulls at the end of it. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, luckily, I was uh, in a position where I could, I had the privilege and so on to just go fuck this and shave my head for the rest of high school. Right, right. But but I have I have experimented with it, and I know exactly how fucking hard, bad it hurts. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, not good. Oh yeah, and I mean, you're just. Essentially turning that sort of shared trauma among people into an entire horror movie. Right. So everyone collectively, like me and Jeff, have gone through that experience. We felt the pain and it was a cringe altogether. I think this would have been a good movie to see uh, in a theater. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple points where where just basic black hair care is presented as a horror experience. Right, and it's so it, it's uh it, it's chilling every time it happens. I can't wait. To- mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, her her older cousin uh does follow the instructions on the box. There's not an antagonistic relationship between these two, although there right. are tensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she scars the back of Anna's head very badly. There's a big raised scar on her head for the rest of her. You know, matching the emotional scarring that would also come along with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. and we get that because when we cut to her as an adult, it's clear that she has been unwilling to get with the late 80s program of hair straightening or wigs. Right. She won't even let anyone touch her hair. And she mentions that quite a few times when, you know, people do talk about it when she's first getting her hair done, that she's tenderheaded, which mm-hmm. is the most unheard of thing uh, that, you know, an adult black woman would not really say like that's definitely in a way it's kind of like that is a red flag yeah and she is shown interviewing to take a uh a, a vj slot at a company that isn't her right i think it's just a different floor of the same company mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just someone else that wanted a downtown julie brown type to mm-hmm. be a host <laughs> i was really not the that, H1. <laughs> i was really hoping that when she walked out into the hallway full of other like uh, you know, black and Latina a- actors waiting their turn, that there'd be a couple of, like, bubbly white ones who'd be like, I heard this was for a regular Julie Brown interview. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Uptown, the one who does the I- I'm a Blonde song. <laughs> um, but yeah, the obviously she's getting rejected right away by the two white casting agents for being, you know, in, in the parlance of this movie, too black, mm-hmm. uh, too, too urban, because she's got natural, super tight uh, up hair. Yeah. 
and uh, and so she's hurt by that. And then we get to see her go to her own building uh, where people are literally wondering if she works there as she walks in. Yeah. And she's stated that like literally through the whole film that she's been there for years. They're like, where did mm-hmm. you get this girl? And she's like, I've been here for like and a half, five years. Oh, yeah. She's been at the company for four years and runs into fucking James Vanderbeek in this movie. Oh, my God. Vanderbeek. Who, God bless him for being in this movie for like the five minutes that he is. But the the white executive who's like, hey, I've been sent down to tell you how to run your black music network. And, you know, some people would say that that's you know, a demotion or, you know, a punishment. But I would, I really want to rap with you guys. And I'm like, oof, ouch. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's got this whole spiel about how he spent the summer hanging out at the Apollo meeting oh. a famous black person. And then he introduces the, the shakeup that's about to happen. The, uh, the current director of what's basically the BET or late night MTV lineup of, of black entertainment stuff. Uh, she's being, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's being run out and replaced with a uh, former supermodel played by Vanessa Williams. Uh, Lover, but yeah, very, yeah. Uh, almost as light-skinned as you can be. Yeah, which I I didn't I don't think Vanessa Williams is normally like that. She, she had to have been wearing a lot of so, but but in any event, they actually immediately comment on it because mm-hmm. our. our our, our main character is talking to a couple of her contemporaries at the office, and one of them is like, of course it's some light-skinned bitch. And <laughs> it just was yet more layers onto the movie that I I just, God, I loved. I actually really, really enjoyed this. I thought it was awesome, immediately touching on color, and especially because now we're, we're talking a lot about, in, in the days, uh, the concept of white passing, what you shouldn't be doing when you appear to be Caucasian, even though you might be, you know, somewhat of color, uh, you still can't go around and say things and pretend like it's the same experience. So very much she has a different relationship to hair and everything film wise than the other women. Well, yeah, when she ends up having sort of a interview with Anna where this is the sort of classic, oh, I just want to get to know you, but this is all just interviewing for your own job stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the fact that she is, like, so very cavalier about, like, hey, you really should not have your hair the mm-hmm. way you do. Like, if you want to get ahead, you have to do these things. It's not, like, and, you know, she doesn't think of it as a big ask. It's right. just, hey, this is a thing you need to do. Right. Only the other women realize, you know, um, some of her other friends at the studio are like, you know, we're not really ready to relinquish our identity. And that's essentially what they're asking them to do. We want you to be a black woman, but the white version. And I think the character of Sister Soul in this specifically was so good at that, like, I want to have my own identity. I want to have my own expression. And through the course of the movie, we see this absolute like takeover of her own personality being replaced mm-hmm. with what is marketable for a personality. Yeah, she actually has a very so- sad side arc that barely even resolves where yeah. she she fights the hardest, but you get a couple shots of her at the very end having given up and gotten a, a, a I think she had a, a weave as well. She did, oh, yeah. yeah. She she becomes yeah. part of the monster story at yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so basically, she's one of uh, four talent, on-air talent VJs that are still working at the facility at the beginning, uh, along with, I want to say, Rosalind, Julius, and another one who, I, who she was like the least important one, so I don't remember what her name was. Oh, no, wait, I've got that backwards. Brooklyn was the most important, the other most important one. That's Lena Waithe. Fucking love Lena Waithe, so I was excited to see her. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and then you've got Julius, the obvious asshole dude one. Yeah. And we've got a, a complicated relationship with him as we also get the, like, oh, uh, Anna and him have been sleeping together for years now mm-hmm. without any sort of commitment. And then as soon as Zora comes in to take over, he's immediately just like, oh, I'm actually seeing someone now and I can't be with you. Right. And he has barely been with her from the beginning. Like, there's a point in the movie where she reveals she's never been to his house after the, the, three years. Yeah, three-year relationship, and she's she's been fantasizing about going to his house the whole time. What does Ugh, that it say? Is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just more piling on to this very, like, sad yeah. sack of a person that she is to begin with, where you can tell sort of throughout her life she has this dream, she has this goal to be... Uh, someone who does like TV hosting, announcing. Yeah. When we saw her as a kid. Yeah. She was like hosting her own radio show. Yeah. And trying to live this dream, but also just never being able to stick up for herself or quite make it to the point where she should. So she's near her goal, but. You know, she's mm-hmm. just an assistant to one of the executives when she first starts, and she's not allowed to actually openly in a relationship with someone, and is just so put upon. We find out that her uh, landlord was raising the rent by $500, and later on, we find out from someone else that lives there, Yeah, she was like, yeah, he tried that with me, and I told him to go fuck himself. I hope he didn't do that to you. And it's just like, yeah, people are constantly trying to scam her and take advantage of And I think that that's like super interesting. Well, not interesting, but it's like, I hate how it sounds, but a lot of times like it does feel like the world is out to get you. And in this instance, you know, she could complain about all these things like, oh, well, someone would tell her like, oh, well, the world isn't really out to get you kind of thing. And it's like, no, your landlord is charging, you know, an extra 500 rent specifically to you, not to everybody else. Or you have sex with him. Yeah. So... I believe that um, we never get the name of her neighbor, but it's Nicole uh, Byer. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, I threatened to get a lawyer. He never attempted or tried to force himself upon her. But he did that to another person who couldn't obviously afford an extra $500 for rent because that's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not sure, but she called him. A rapist so it's it's very obvious he picks and chooses uh and he even talked about his preference uh that it was very like oof and then you know she doesn't really have a good foundation even at home it seems like so when she's talking to her aunt and uncle her aunt seems to take her side but her uncle you know he's had he had to apologize for lashing out at her um it seems like yeah there aren't a lot of solid relationships that she has to kind of escape to we do get we get a really good scene where she goes to dinner with her aunt and uncle uh Mm -hmm. and and her 
cousin now grown up and her boyfriend are all there and it's clear that most of them work in academia if they're working at all uh she her cousin is now some sort of i think a college english teacher her fa- her uncle is a uh, a college professor of definitely african american studies uh and and uh you can tell that even the cousin who the you ordinarily want to set up as like oh a childhood best friend who's still completely reliable uh immediately cuts her off when anyone asks her a question mm-hmm. well uh, that was such a fucked up thing where it's like oh hey Anna, how's your stuff going? She's like, oh, actually, really good. I've got, and then just immediately cut off with, oh, yeah, I can vouch for things being tough. I just got told that I need to do this thing and this thing, and I'm doing history in addition to literature, and, oh, they just want me to do so many things. Oh, sorry for cutting you off. Yeah. Now, now the, the uncle is kind of set up a little bit as a villain. There's a there's a moment where she, the, the, our main character, questions all of their interest in... in uh, slave era Af- uh, or african-american folklore and and he just kind of leans into her about it uh about how she's denying heritage and and uh denying herself and her history and 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 accepting the colonizing of of uh basically the speech is that, that yes. when uh that when colonizers come in they tell you that your history is is superstition and mm-hmm. that's one of the ways that they get you down and, and he really leans into her but as much as his his aunt is being or her aunt is being nice to her in that moment, she also does lean into her again later for not having a wig yet. Yep. So there's just no safety here. No. Oh yeah, the fact that it's like if she isn't interested in the like past history and culture, she's being attacked, but if she's also not interested in adapting to current trends, she is attacked. It, like you say, there's just no real good safe place. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you know, you don't really see the ant very much after she helps with rent here. So we show that it's complex relationships is what it is. Because, yes, the ant is bugging her about not wearing a wig, but also helps cover her, her missing $500 rent. The uncle leans into her about this, but apologizes. And then later in the movie is completely non-judgmental when, when, when he sees her with, uh, you know, just a weave. perfectly he tells flat. Her she weave. looks beautiful. Yeah, he said you look beautiful. So it's kind of like, and 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 looking at you know how their daughter's hair is too. It's kind of like you know you preach you preach you know understanding where you come from and 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 not giving in to colonization and uh, everything like that. And you know you know look how the daughter is kind of like upholding herself and she's like you're so lucky they didn't have any you know standards for you you got to grow up and be whatever you want but they want me to be a doctor oh boohoo you know like (laughs) yeah well i just think that whole double standard thing where it was the uncle like you say very much lecturing for you know you should be more interested in this you should have Mm -hmm. you know more appreciation of our culture and our history but then also like without really even thinking about it going you look beautiful and not in a i'm going to like there there you look beautiful kind of way where i'm just trying to comfort you but like you sincerely look better mm-hmm. with your hair in this unnatural way that's yes. interesting i didn't i didn't pick that pick up a reading that way I, my my reading was that he probably had sensed that she would be worried about his feelings on her hair because he's very you know, uh, African American uh, mm-hmm. professor. So I thought he was letting the air out of the room. That she had been sitting there simmering in this tension, where she was waiting for the other shoe to drop, and for him to start yelling at her for for getting rid of her natural hair. Uh, and then, then he just sort of, you know, pricked that with a pin and was like, "No, you look good." 
To me, I also read it as he was actually looking at her for the first time. This was the first time he noticed her. Because at the same time, we saw this with all of her co-workers and even um, Julius. They saw her for the first time when she conformed to modern standards of beauty. And everyone started like, oh, exactly. So... For me, it was kind of even more of a slap in the face that this is when your family is now starting to and see you as a, a person and, you know, that you're a, this being taking up space kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I also saw that as a different. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just one more, you know, mark that this is a good movie because you can read oh, yeah. that scene in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she gets some extra money from her aunt uh which she ostensibly is supposed to use to pay the rent but we're finally going to put the plot in motion here because she she caves to the pressure coming on from her new boss and goes to Virgie's the best weave place in town yes and they are booked up and absolutely ridiculously expensive and the uh she manages to uh essentially plead her case to uh Laverne Cox yeah, and the the uh, the the sort of in in uh, internalized racism in this scene is is uh, very strong too because oh my god the the the, the uh, receptionist at the at the weave place practically chases her out of the building with a broom yeah when she, she, when she sees, her oh yeah she gets one look at her hair at her, her at her natural hair and she's like oh you don't belong here well, uh why don't you go someplace where you would matter yeah oh I was livid in that scene because. She is like, Anna comes up to the receptionist and she's like, sister, sister, I got to get my hair done. Have you ever wanted something? You know, I got to get my hair done. You know, everybody's, everybody's been at that point in their lives where they're kind of like, gosh, I, you know, I've got something important coming up. I need, I really need to like, you know, look really good to impress, you know, interview type of thing, which is exactly her case. And she kind of makes Anna feel like, you know, I am not one of you. And it was this immediate disassociation. And she doesn't, she says, she, and I think that was common throughout everyone. I didn't take note of it, but a lot of the women who did have their weaves shortened a lot of things to just cis. And I was kind of like very weird that a lot of this was not reciprocated. And uh, she kind of, you know, was like, you know, oh, you need to go get your hair yeah. done in, in your hood, in your neighborhood kind of thing. Uh, oh, my God. I just couldn't. I couldn't handle that scene in any capacity. But, yeah, had had me riled up. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a powerful scene because we see this receptionist who is a receptionist at a hair salon. But the fact that she has a weave is giving her such a sense of, uh, of power mm-hmm. over people who don't that... I oh, mean, she's this, the gatekeeper of it. Yeah, yeah, and, and the scene you'd think ordinarily you'd you'd have that straight up Julia Roberts, you just made a big mistake type moment, but the scene flows as if oh, it's absolutely right for this receptionist to chase her out of there with a broom and a and and a hose. It it, it just it, it makes perfect sense. Well, but, yeah, even when she pleads uh, her case to the main hairstylist, uh, she even says, like, fine, I'll take you on. You're my good deed for the day. Like, mm-hmm. I'm having pity on a stray. Absolutely. Yeah. She's and that's Laverne Cox, work. who, Laverne Cox barely in this movie, but she is rad. Oh, yeah. So we, we get we get the weave. And this is the other terrifying 
just generic black hair care scene. She's getting the weave done, which means she needs to get the braid done. Mm-hmm. And 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 then have the weave put in with one of those needles and it immediately starts drawing blood and just the the uh the closeness and frankness of the shooting it's mm-hmm. it's scarier than all the the demonic hair fights that are going to occur later in the movie it was awesome they did such an interesting job with how they made it feel so gory and i was actually watching this with my boyfriend and he felt like he couldn't sit still he felt so tense and he felt he was like, oh my gosh, like, is that really how it is? Is there that much blood? And I was like, no, it's not going into the scalp. They sew into the braid. But the way that they make it like look like the, you know, needle is going so close to the scalp, uh, it feels so, you just can't sit still. Yeah, and you know, honestly, that's part of the horror setup. The fact that this is ultimately a fantasy horror movie mm-hmm. means that you've got Laverne Cox. Yeah, she's drawing blood because she's weaving evil hair into your body. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, it's not ready I mean, to come out. Yeah, the thing for me that was really fucked up with it as well was the fact that you know she's sitting there and she's uncomfortable in the chair and is in so much pain that she passes out. Mm-hmm. And when she comes to. Laverne Cox is like, oh, you're not the first person to faint while having their hair done. And you're just like, the normalization of that level of pain in order to get just your hair done is like, god damn it. (laughs) The stupidest thing women are ever told when... Yeah, yeah. God, I I remember going... I I mean, again, my experiences are nothing. I tried hair (laughs) relaxants twice in my life, and I bleached my hair for a while after that, and... And uh, just the chemical burns were enough to put me off it forever. But the idea of doing it yeah. through your entire professional life. Jeez. Uh, Jeff, I'm very so, surprised. Hmm? I'm proud of oh, your hair I, journey. <laughs> 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 well, like I said, people called me Jeff Rowe in high school. It was I'm, a, Yeah, I'm very sorry na- for that. <laughs> yeah, a name that I, that I now realize was very racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> Poor little baby Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, he did I mean, not it just, need that. Yeah, you know, it's just a thing. But again, I had the uh, I, I had the the privilege to be like a water polo player and a white dude. So if I shaved my head, no one would give me shit for that. So right, I had an right. out. Yeah. So so I, I've always been kind of lucky about it. But no, I mean I tried it, and yeah, God, it, it is it's so painful. <laughs> and then we also get here our sort of gremlins esque rules for taking care of your hair, <laughs> mm-hmm. in that you can never get it wet. And you have to use this special blend that only uh, Virgie's has. And uh, you have to rub it in twice a day and get it deep into there. Yeah, yeah. So we have a couple of Gremlins rules. And I got to say, I mean, I, I'm i honestly a, a huge fan of uh, of natural black hair in general. That's just, uh, but the, mm-hmm. and I, I thought she looked great before she got the weave done. But then again, I'm, you know, from yeah. 2020 and not from 1988. And yeah. I have no power. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, the weave is fucking fantastic. The, one of the things I thought in this movie that, that they didn't try and make the weave look evil or anything. It looks good. Right. It, it, it looks powerful. Yeah. Uh, so, so now she, she feels like a whole new person, but right away the weave hurts like hell, like more than it even should. Right. Yeah. The, the interesting thing with this, of course, we, we mentioned that, uh, you know, then when she comes into work, it's like. Everyone finally sees her for the first time. Mm-hmm. The, you know, 
she's given more credit for things she's given more responsibility and power and all this but i honestly loved throughout the entire movie the small bits even before she got the weave where the other women who have it just the small things in the background where you can see the hair moving when it shouldn't Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved that. Yeah. Yeah. And we get we get the repeat of the scene where she walks through the lobby, except now instead of bumping into people and being invisible and shunned, like random background characters are sending her winks like, Hey, welcome to the, <laughs> the welcome to the white people club. Happy that first kind of... <laughs> day. <laughs> yeah. Uh just just random extras. Uh and, and then yeah, right away she starts getting rewarded. Uh we get Zora the ostensible villain of the piece although really zora's hair is the villain of the film um, oh yeah it's also kind looked of both also sure. looked fantastic though yeah and uh, yeah immediately starts rewarding her calling her mm-hmm. one of her girls and giving her jobs and dangling promises of a hosting position yeah because one of the main things here is anna essentially comes up with uh the live <laughs> countdown show yeah she just invents trl it's one of the things yeah. in this movie <laughs> She's like, yo, I came up with TRL before it happened. That was me. And pitches this, has an entire packet together of like how it would work, who the guests would be, you know, the structure of everything has all of that ready to go. And we find out earlier that one of the only like really successful programs on their channel was also her idea that they just stole. Mm -hmm. And it's it's why Zora is also a villain and not just her weave is because mm-hmm. she's just sort of using Anna for her ideas and dangling yeah. that level of notice and notoriety that she wants in order to get that. Oh, by right. the way, it's not like Sister Soul stole her show or anything. Obviously, the right. person who stole her show is Julius. Yes. Yep. And Julius is very interesting, too, because obviously hair is very, very important to the black community. But Julius is also always brushing his hair. So, like, yeah. I feel like there, if, if there were a male version, like, he would have been had that. Like, he would have had, like, well, I mean, I guess there was the Jerry curl, but that was not at all touched upon in the film, um, which I feel like is, like, the male equivalent um, I think but, he kind of has. I think well, he kind. He had Go a hairstyle, but it wasn't quite like the juicy curls. Um, no, no, but it, was it was a high top fade. Oh yeah, for sure, and which was very stylistic, male eighties, a hundred and ten percent. Um, but it was just interesting to always see him uh brushing uh you know trying to make them small waves, but it it was just interesting. He he was obviously like. A part of them he was never a part of the group with cheryl and the other women who uh were quite obvious like natural and wanted the show to stay where it is and um you know mm-hmm. sister soul everything so it was interesting to see how he even kind of had his own side and how he had been like interacting yeah it was there are two interesting to me uh both for him and usher's character i was gonna say seeing... yeah there are two characters yeah seeing them in the movie because it definitely felt like there was a level of self-expression that black male hair could go through as far as, you know, styling it and how you shave it and the way in which you make that your own between all of the male characters that we... Mm-hmm. But with the female characters, it was, you have to conform to a white 
standard. I mean, to be fair, both. I'm uh, not to be fair. It's not, there's nothing <laughs> to be fair about it. Excuse me. Both. <laughs> you both, really uh, got to hand it to him. I really yeah. got. <laughs> As an expert on the subject, no. What I was going to say is that is that Usher's character and uh, Julius both have high top fades. They almost have the same high top fade. It's 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 a right. front view at a slide angle. Uh, Usher's character adds a a, a a dread rope that comes out and wraps around the front, almost like the brim of a hat. But yeah. but but uh, they they both have high. In fact, the only black hair that you are on men that you see in this movie that isn't high top fades is uh, her uncle mm. who's just got natural close crop, and then a brief shot of a band where a couple of them have uh, ha- have the boys, uh, the the fellas, and, and <laughs> a few a few of them have uh, have braids. Yes, yeah, and it's just interesting just seeing that. Uh, but both of them together. And you, you kind of see, and I wish this is something that I do wish we kind of got a little bit more of was, and I think that was partially the film, like not really knowing where it wanted to go or what it wanted to do right away, but just seeing um, Usher's character actually put it together and then just fall short of getting the time to talk to Anna to to talk about what's happening. Yeah, I think we actually get a couple points during the movie where someone almost manages to either like give her the information that she needs to know shit's going wrong or confide in her about something and just immediately gets interrupted by like pretty much power. (laughs) Like it's always, oh, I have to go because there's, you know, someone more important that's calling or you have a job that you need to do and Mm -hmm. so it's always this pull of power away from the conversation yeah there's a one of my favorite little things in this movie is that the the woman who leaves the job that zora takes over her name is edna uh she walks away but says hey i'm gonna start my own production company i'm gonna call each and every one of you and bring you in because what's happening here is bullshit and when she calls by the time she calls anna it's too late Anna's got the Anna has the weave and she's already starting her kind of spiral into horror madness. Uh, yeah. But but she doesn't call back because she's... And here's the thing, I wouldn't call back either. I have a sure thing in an unsure world yeah. right now. I have right. a job. And the movie doesn't really forgive her for that. Uh, when when she confronts Edna later in the film, and Edna's like, you never called me back. And she's like, yeah, because I have a, a paying job right now. I can't afford to throw... You, when you walked away, because Edna makes this big deal about it. She's like, I chose to, I stood on my principles and I walked away. And I was amazed that there wasn't a rejoinder of like, yeah, but you've had an executive salary for like a decade. Fuck you for thinking I can do the same thing. When she was like, I almost got evicted. Like she does stand up for herself. She's like, Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do that on what you paid me. Yeah. No, she comes back at her, but it's way later that she comes back at her. It, it's I just found it a fascinating thing where there's there's a couple things in this movie that that go unspoken because they're focusing on a lot of other themes. Uh, the unfairness of Edna's treatment of her is definitely almost one of them. It gets it gets yeah. brought up eventually. The the other one I found fascinating was that by the end of the movie, uh, our our villain Zora has sto- obviously stolen her her show idea and is going to be the host. And mm-hmm. and he, here's the thing that, that I found fascinating about that. Um, we don't we, it doesn't come up in the movie at all. Vanessa Williams is fifty-seven. Yeah. No, no one that age is getting a hosting gig at the at an MTV equivalent, especially no one who's a woman. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, I was kind of curious how that was happening and what was going on with it, but obviously it's just not really part of the film to to find that out. 
Uh, it, yeah. Instead, it's, you know, by that point, the movie is effectively vampire fight. Yeah. And and it's kind of weird because the film sets up a lot of different things. We're talking about colorism. We're talking about colonialism. We're talking about, you know, being a woman in um, the industry, being a woman mm-hmm. of color in the industry, impeding, you know, beauty standards. And we all get to the brink of these ideas, which is awesome that we're tackling it in a in a horror movie. But right at the point where these things should be playing a part in the storyline of the redemption does not happen. And it yeah. felt very anticlimactic well, because yeah, it, it, it never gets addressed again. You're right. Like we don't get to talk about that. Uh, those themes again. It's kind of just said and done. Yeah, because it, it, it switches to a you know demonic hair fight at that point. Right. Uh, Boss but battle. We, we, yeah, yeah. We learn early on that the hair has weird tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna gets a cut on her finger, and then she realizes that her hair has not only gotten stuck to the cut, but inserted itself several inches deep into her finger. I really loved that. It was <laughs> it's a very good shot to be like uh and like kind of pull, and it the hair goes with, and you're like oh that's kind of gross but then to have to like pull an inch of hair out of your finger is like yeah Yeah. it gave me very grudge vibes whenever i can't remember the main character's name but she's pulling the hair out of her throat and it just keeps going and it ends up being one of those Mm -hmm. little like things that you put like on your body to hear heartbeat or whatever Um, stethoscope yeah yeah it was like attached to some hair or something like that and it gave me that vibe of like this hair should be ending and it's not and (laughs) you feel like you wanna yeah this movie sets up a thing that i didn't expect it to bother paying off there's a point where anna frazzled and 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 uh just in too much shit to really pay attention to her her less important problems has forgotten to bring any tampons or pads to work uh and obviously one of her co-worker vjs uh, brooklyn is like you don't even have to ask it just gives her one uh it sets up that she's on her period and it's important because we get a, a terrifying scene where her hair drinks all of her period blood yeah <laughs> boy howdy did i not like what i felt it was just i You know, when people, like, see people get hit in the nuts in, like, a movie and then men kind of cross their legs, that was the first time I think I ever felt the equivalent of something that made me want to just crawl up into a ball and have not seen that. (laughs) It's a a, a terror. What what keeps happening with the movie, basically, the hair needs blood. That's going to be the... We're, we're rounding the horn on the, on the length of this thing. So the hair needs blood and is essentially a vampire. And we'll go into why in just a second. But th- the how is that the hair is self-powered and will kill people and will drink blood wherever it finds it. Or even things that look like blood. There's a part in the where, where the hair drinks some spaghetti sauce. Oh, no. Yeah, that's the blood from the burger. Oh, yeah. was it, okay. Was it, was it beef juice from a burger? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's so, so the hair is murderous. And uh, but but ultimately, it's in the similar vein to Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. It doesn't care where the blood comes from necessarily, as long as mm-hmm. there's some blood. Like it'll and I drink- mean, the Little Shop of Horrors thing is apt because it is a I have a thing that wants blood, but it is increasing my own ability to do things and my own self worth and power is tied to it. Yeah, 
yeah, the, halfway through this movie, I was like, holy shit, this is terrifying little shop of horrors. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, her landlord shows up and attempts to uh, rape her and is summarily dispatched, murdered, and drained of blood by her hair. I'm uh, thankful for her hair, and that's it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and, the, and it's neat. The hair displays its displeasure, if it hasn't gotten enough uh, blood recently, by refusing to work. Uh, Look it, good, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to re- and then when it gets blood, it, it rewards her by waving Looking around phenomenal. all crazy and then just looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. If it were only that easy. Just, just dip it in blood. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Life would be great. I really like towards the end when it's essentially just uh, a hair fight between her and Zora and a couple of the other women at the company who have also gotten the evil weaves. But there's a point where you're like, oh, like her hair... It seems like it should be on board with the other people's hair's agenda. Mm-hmm. Like, and yet she has more control over it. Almost like she hasn't given in to being like, oh, yeah, I, Zora has obviously just completely sold out to the idea of well, having this. She <laughs> she does she, get murdered by her hair. Yeah, she figures it out. But I think that she was too deep into it that the hair had more power over her because she gets her knowledge a little too late. She knows she stopped counting how many people she killed or how many people the hair killed. But quite early on, you know, she, Anna's reading this book that, you know, her uncle gave her of um, African folklore and she reads the story of the Moss Girl. So she has an inkling um, a little early on, obviously foreshadowing, but she has the tools to be smart her um, her own hair. Yeah, yeah, uh, man, that scene when when basically there's a, there's a weird scene in this movie when when Anna goes upstairs to confront Zora about stealing the show, and the two of them have it kind of kind of have it out, but it, there's an undertone that both of them know about the weaves now, and yeah. and uh, there's there's almost a woman-to-woman connection between these two people who don't really like each other over yeah. this, where, where Zora's like, hey, uh, does the does the the herbal oil rub-in still work for you? No, right? It's hungry. I don't understand it. It's just hair, and then she tries to cut her own hair off and gets murdered by her own hair. Right. And it's... I really like that scene where our villain connects with our hero for just long enough to There's start a, a glimmer st- of hope. Yeah, and then nope, you're dead. Yeah. It's interesting though because they also talk and I couldn't quite put the pin in it about the dream. They were obviously very symbolic. And she even said, you know, that in that interaction they talk about and about the dreams. Are you having dreams too? The dreams are obviously very connection to the original story where the moss grows in and it grows in a little bit deeper into the room with her cousin and her aunt and uncle sitting in the table and they have traditional African wear on. And I never quite like understood if that was the original witches connecting with them in their subconscious or quite what that dream actually meant or that it was seeping deeper into her subconscious the lower That's the moss sort of what grew I took it, okay was that the more the hair seeped into the scene because we see that mm-hmm. scene several times in the dream right and every time the hair is more and more prominent has delved deeper into it it's like the moss it's is more growing. and more taking over that yeah. entire scene 
So that's that's actually a good point to mention that the uh, the movie hinges on a bit of slave folklore uh, mm-hmm. called called the uh, the Moss Girl, which is Moss a story haired girl, Moss haired girl. Thank you. Which is a story about a woman who is a slave, but she's a house slave, so she's given a little bit more freedom. Uh, when she finishes work for the day, she goes walking in the woods. She finds a, a tree that looks like it has hair made of moss. She takes some and makes a wig, and then it has all of this. these effects happen where the hair starts killing people and drinking their blood, and every time it does, she just looks more and more beautiful. But eventually, the hair kills her too, but she still keeps going. And there's a really chilling line that they give to it, which is, uh, if you see her walking now, know she's dead. The witches are taking turns in her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that rolls into the 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 end of the, the the climax of this movie because after Zora's hair kills her, she shows up again as just hair yes. that that forms a body, and it's it's well and truly terrifying at that point. And pops up in different places, and she's like, mm-hmm. "No, I saw her when I was recording, and I was you know filming my um special, and I was kind of like, yeah, like why did that? And it was like, oh." Okay, yeah, I, I I get it now. I get it. I, That's fucked I, up, but I get it. I love the, that there's... Go ahead. One of the things at the the end, when we finally get the payoff of, hey, don't ever get it wet, uh, mm. where she's trapped in a recording booth and the Ooh. sort of hair witches are coming to get her, and she lights a uh, like a little gun lighter for a cigarette and causes the like the fire suppression system to go off. Mm-hmm. And she is able to then take scissors and cut the weave out and, you it know, bleeds. can save herself. But when she leaves and she sees the other people there, it's it's always interesting to me when someone leaves the monster without taking care of them because she can see that they the water has sort of incapacitated them. Right. But instead of, say, taking the scissors and cutting the weave out and saving them, she just leaves. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's anything to save there. I think, I mean, granted, you could you could kill Zora, but just like the the legend said, Zora's not in there anymore. That's witches. True. That's either way, it's a dead body. It's it's yeah. just vacant. It's a shell. Yeah. Now, granted, I don't think that's what the movie wants us to think, because at the end we see billboards around town for Zora's hosting the show again. Right. Yeah. And you know, interestingly enough, who owns the land? Still, it's another way that. You know, at the time, white people are controlling black people. They make you think that I'm going to get a little into it. But they're just kind of like the way I was reading is they're just saying, you know, they want you to look your hair to look a certain way. They want your hair to look a little bit more like they understand it to look like, you know, how other white women's hair looks like. And Mm -hmm. then in the end, they're pushing it upon others. You know, obviously, Vanderbeek was well, I don't know. Well, I guess this is all spoilers, but Vanderbeek is the one who owns the land, the plantation land that this hair moss is growing on. And he's the one who's telling women, if you want to get in this industry and if you want to be serious about your job and, you know, your career, then you need to get your hair done kind of thing. You know, you're mm-hmm. not the right look or you are the right look. Go ahead and get, you know get my put on the store kind of thing and obviously like everyone there who is probably a hair salon person uh is obviously a part of it too so no one's actually doing anything to shell being run by the brothers who own the land and own all these bodies of black people running around empty shell it took me like an hour to put that together after i watched because when i first watched it my response to that there's a final scene where we see james vanderbeek is the the 
the one of the the people in the story, or at least yeah. a descendant of one of the people in the story. He owns yeah. the land that has the tree. Um, and and at the time, I was like, okay, he has been kind of you know blunt and dim-witted throughout the movie, but he didn't right. necessarily strike me as an evil person. Uh, just sort of you know the, as rich as evil as every rich person is. Right. Uh, <laughs> So when they were like, also, he's the secret bad guy, I was like, I don't really, I feel like that's just economy of character. But but uh, yeah, when I realized it was more that he had been pushing Zora to push this, it's all a, a master mm-hmm. plan that begun, began from him and it became a lot more insidious. Right. And, you know, uh, I think even pushing, I can't remember the name of um, the like singer who had the music video go to the top. Sandra. Yeah. So even pushing her music video to be the top, you know, really publicizing. This is what the in stars are now. She's flipping her hair all around in the music video. This is what the producers love. This is what they wanted. Um, Televising it. And he's pushing it to the top even further. Obviously a larger outreach and everything. Um, Really just, mainstreaming this giant takeover well it's it's again the sort of you know white people dictating what the way that you need to look is Mm -hmm. and then also the ones who have the product that you need to use in order to look that way and it's the i mean this is the supernatural evil version of it instead of the regular (laughs) evil version of it yeah but it's still just the you know for vanderbeek especially you go you have a monopoly on this sort of magic hair. Mm-hmm. And if you push this hard enough, then it's, again, just that sort of white control over black bodies. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, Mike, Mike, there's a th- it's left ambiguous, and it's not super important to the overall story of the film, but I am very curious as to whether Vanderbeek's character knows that when people get the weaves, they turn into evil hair vampires. Oh, he knows. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the oh, yeah. the end of the movie even talks a little bit more about the the end of that story where yeah. it's yeah you know even a cyclical bad thing for the white owners because it's not just do they own the land and so they own everything on it as far as you know everything we're gonna own everyone. the ability to sell this to you and then when you have it we own you as well. You know what? Yeah. That it actually, says that, that the that land together, controls yeah. them. And so mm-hmm. it's just this big ball of horrible shit. <laughs> no, that, that, <laughs> that puts it together for me. Now, now I'm now I'm fully on board with him knowing that he owns those people. Yeah, yeah that that makes because because basically he's like, hey, if you put hair from my tree on you, then you belong to my land and I own you. So yes, and I can control you and do whatever I want with you, including kill you and use your body to further my company and use, um, you know, black people's wallets and industry and money and and profit and and spirit to make himself richer in the real world and in the industry and further him a little bit more um which i mean i don't know to give that man all this credit but yeah i mean (laughs) i i truly believe that um that this was i mean obviously they were using black people bodies for a very long time to further their own wealth um why not continue to do that in different uh, God, it was. I mean, ultimately, the character that Vanderbeek plays in this movie is very minor. He has maybe twelve yeah. lines in total, and, oh, and yeah. but bless him for doing it because he's playing <laughs> first a first a, a dipshit racist who doesn't really know how racist he's being, and then by the end of the movie, oh no, he knows. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh no, 
Oh, oh no, oh, it's old oh, kind no, of racist and new kind of racist. <laughs> oh no, baby, no. Regular and extra. <laughs> it was interesting uh. because also like a little traveling back, we didn't. I there's Julius's death, right? She finally Anna finally gets to go over oh, to yeah. Julius's house and they have sex and her hair kind of controls over but in the background behind Anna there are two I want to say paintings and it's two black wrists very symbolic of you know breaking free the free wrists um there's no chains on them but it's basically the same image without chains they're two separate portraits of two fists and at the same time I can't help but feel like is she being Lip, is she liberating him from this or you know is it very ironic that this is behind her because she essentially is not free um, or is she liberating herself from him right moment, right and that could be is, too yeah. she's liberating herself from him she has no control over it um because obviously but she, she when she comes to does. she's kind of like what the fuck just happened um <laughs> But like even because there's a tell in the movie where your eyes sort of turn golden when you're being right. taken over. Yes. And in the moment, the hair holds him down and mm-hmm. hands her a broken wine glass. But it's not mm. the hair that kills him. Right. She it's stabs him. him. Yeah. Over and over again in the dick. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, there was another crossing of legs at that moment that weren't mine, but you know, <laughs> somebody else was very uncomfortable. I gotta say, for for all the uh, the horror and uh, and symbolism and so on that was going on in that scene, I, I do kind of appreciate a dude who's just got a big drawer full of sex toys. He's just like, whatever, that's that's my shit. Yeah, Yo, pick whatever you want. Yeah, very nonchalant, get- not afraid. It's the eighties. Yeah. Uh, so, but eventually she murders or her hair murders almost everyone who has, like, she doesn't get her family, but she right. gets her old boss. Almost. She get yeah, she gets, and, and she gets her good hairstylist. Yeah. Uh, just, it, it's, the boss kill I, I did not see coming. I thought she was going to be part of the happy, happy ending. Hmm. Right. Well, and that and that was unfortunate. And even her boss, um, you know, when she goes to the second hair salon, um, it's kind of like, you know, Edna was like, you know, oh, but, you know, c- can't lie. Your hair does look really good kind of thing. And it's just so like, part of the no, reason I was angry what? is it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's unfortunate because I felt like in this film, it wasn't even the women who stood by having natural hair did not have a power over it. Like there was no opposing magic in it that was, you know, sticking to your roots and ugh. Uh, no pun intended, but pun intended. But um, even, yeah, even the woman, her boss kind of saying like, oh, you know, this is how I keep my hair straight in the biz kind of thing. Um, didn't really have any power. Like, felt yeah. sad. I, well, to be fair, it was written by a man and not a woman. So True. there is <laughs> at least that to be said. Give my hair some power, please. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Part of me wanted a silly ending to this uh, where it was revealed that the reason that both of the main male characters have the high top fades is because there's an evil male hair thing going on, too, and it's run by kid. Oh, that would have been. Yeah, hmm. uh, that that would have been that would have been a, a happy. But the thing is, it wouldn't have fit the film at all. It's yeah. just it's just it's just the goofy thing I wanted. Directors. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, we're basically at the end here. So we're going to go ahead and do a couple things. First, we're going to do our bests and worsts of the film. Uh, Chanel, why don't you go ahead and give me your favorite moment or thing in this movie? Damn. 
You're putting me on the spippity spot. It's so that um, you don't get uh, written out. I got you. Uh, I would say, okay, well, does it have to be a thing or just what I got out of it? It could just be whatever, whatever your, your favorite, favorite thing. thing was. Cool. Mm-hmm. I really now uh, am taking an interest in wanting to study um, folklore, African folklore. Oh. So I thought that that was really awesome. Whether the Moss Girl is real or not, um, I thought that it was something that I really connected and 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 was so thirsty for in the film was the you know more of the lore and i thought that that was like badass and like seeing the dream sequence of that um i thought it was just gorgeous the way it was filmed i i, I absolutely there with you on that the uh the, the it, it was it was interesting to see the slave lore folklore like mm-hmm. when i was when, when i was a kid because of one of my french teachers i got super into uh wolof folklore which is which is uh i, I want to say senegal and gambian African folklore, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that's the stuff that I've always kind of connected to 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 the, uh, the African folklore that that's my interest. But it was so neat to see this other kind and, and what was coming from it. It was it was really cool. Yeah, well, especially because it was specifically slave folklore, so that it wasn't like right. It was a new thing. Like, it was a new telling of stories. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like, these are new morals, and these are new stories to help you get through your, you know, times, um, which essentially folklore is. But um, it it was a very different than, you know, um, which is interesting, because I think both are very interesting. Africa, Africa folklore versus slave folklore mm-hmm. has African touch, um, roots, descendants. Um, but at the same time, these are new issues and new um rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts and what can't you do and can you do yeah it was it was completely fascinating right from the moment where we first see the page of the book and it says in the beginning it was the red man and you realize that these folklores are going to have a lot of uh, mm-hmm. native na- native stuff in them too mm-hmm. uh and it's an interesting blend yeah all right so jeff favorite thing of the movie I'm going to, you know, there's so much about this movie I really like, uh, but rather than even saying anything about the plot in particular, I'm going to I'm going to throw my favorite to how deep this cast is and how many cool 80s people it brings back. <laughs> I mean, it's got uh, I think he's from like Clear and Present Danger uh, uh, and a bunch of other movies, uh, Blair Underwood playing the uncle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love him. Uh, I love Nicole Byer, yeah. Laverne Cox, uh, Kelly Rowland. Uh, the the uh, yeah. Lena Lena Waithe I absolutely love yeah Jay Farrow this there's so many people in this that you don't normally see in in movies uh, that that should be and I just was so happy the whole way through being like oh my god it's that person I remember watching them uh, uh, the woman who plays the old boss uh, the previous boss Edna uh, Judith oh, yeah. Scott. She's played so many judges in daytime TV <laughs> mo- shows that she's at a point where she's done jokes about that, where she's like in a show being like, I've played 35 judges. So as you know, I, I'm pretty much a judge myself. <laughs> <laughs> we love to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I'm, I'm definitely throwing it to that. I, I was really appreciating the deep cast on this. Sweet. Even there's a scene. I don't. No one else is going to know who this guy is. So just for me, uh, there's a scene where you can see a valet let uh, Zora into a car, and that's that was comedian John Gabris, who uh, is a regular on like Comedy Bang Bang and stuff like that. I don't know why he had a non-speaking role in this movie, but but he was it's just, just like, I just want to be a part of it. Too. He was exactly. just around. Yeah, he was just around. I I was I was just like, oh my gosh, they they did not spare. A role. Everything went to someone who has been in old TV shows a thousand times. Right. Hmm. So that's me. Great. 
Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just take a... I'm just going to do a moment from the film that <laughs> I really like, which was the Zora saying it's just hair, mm-hmm. and then oh. trying to cut her hair with the scissors before it just straight chokes her and kills her. Well, it hangs her, which is a whole symbolism yeah. thing in and of yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. It is the saying of, after all of this movie, because it is right towards the end where we have seen the power of hair and what it does and even regular hair and for her to just be like it's just hair and then try to cut it and can't and it stops her it's such a great small moment there and i absolutely yeah i'm right there with you it was really really good and and again really connected to the overall kind of thing one of the things about this movie that doesn't even go mentioned is that the villain beyond white people who own land ultimately is an evil tree and here we see someone being hung by in, from an invisible branch of an invisible tree. Yeah. yeah. And could be uh, the same one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and do our least favorites. Chanel, what was your least favorite thing in the movie? Uh, I thought there would be like, I was kind of hoping that maybe towards the end, you know, we wouldn't see like, so, you know, somebody caught on to it and there's, but they're still selling the, the weave and even her cousin says she's about to go get it and, and all the stuff and they're living together now and perhaps uh, her life still isn't fucked up over this like you know she now is going to start up her own studio I felt flat on that I just me sad yeah I, I feel like in the interest of the movie having a uh, a horror movie style ending where we see that the character is safe but permanently changed it, but the right. horror still goes on. We don't really get a nice settling, uh, uh, you know, not like any of those issues were ever resolved in real life either. Right. But we don't really see the uh, the, the kind of fallout from all this stuff that you would want. Right, and like, how, like, besides her moving in with her cousin, like, how did she change? She seems, you know, a little more interested in her in her roots, and she's back to her natural hair, but at the same time... I'm not sure I feel anything different or growth from the. I'm I'm fi- I found myself curious if she still had her lifelong dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So yeah, yeah so right. that was what I did not. Like. Jeff, what about you? Uh, I was more or less gonna gonna go the same way uh, that, and, and I'll take that specific aspect of it. That uh, this is a movie about a character with a dream who has worked and tried to get to that dream for her whole life. And yes, it's a dream that a lot of people have and very few people get to be famous and be on TV. It's it's the kind of thing where you would make normally you'd make a movie about that to teach someone that the dream of getting famous and getting on TV isn't even a realistic dream in the first place. But but she almost gets there and I am very I found myself deeply curious to know where does she go from here? Uh it just even a little bit. Like, does she still think, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go start applying to other TV music channels. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to know where she goes. Uh, so I'll say that's my least favorite thing. It's just, uh, this is a movie about a dream. What happens to the dream by the end of it? Right. Well, I believe it was deferred. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, Deeper. So I would say my least favorite thing in this, uh, I mentioned it before, but honestly, the pacing, especially at the beginning, is definitely slow. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't really get a lot, a sense that this is a horror movie until you're like 45, 50 minutes in. There's, there's definitely tension. It's not like it isn't interesting. To, it's just for the a genre movie it feels like it should have been slightly tighter there should have been a better flow to it that's just 
you know, my own little nitpicks as far as, you know, editing and pacing no, goes, but that's me. I, mean, yeah. I don't think you have to defend it necessarily. I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I I mean, ultimately, it kind of feels like it's two movies because it starts. Kind of. Yeah, it, it starts with a movie where it's like, hey, this is a horror movie because being a young, single, not especially wealthy black woman living in 1989 Los Angeles in the entertainment industry is terrifying. Um, yeah. But... But by the end of the movie, that stuff has more or less been dropped in favor of this is a movie about hair vampires. Yeah. So I, it, I, uh, I, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I do know, I mean, obviously, same director, um, Dear White People, um, had a very same feel to it. And I know that it did much better as a miniseries. And I think of uh, very similarly with this same thing and how all the things we're trying to tackle and do and things that are unsaid and undone, that this may have been a, mi- a better miniseries rather than a movie where we obviously want to explore the life of her beforehand and before mm-hmm. this change and crossing the threshold. Now everything in the movie was enough time. No, not for either of them. Oh no, yeah. I-, I mean, the amount of issues and ideas that it tried to tackle, you're going to have some pacing issues because it wants, it's so ambitious and wants to do yeah. so much. Like I, I appreciate them being there out in the it's like i know i know that jordan peele got his own twilight zone but now i want to give the creator of of uh of dear white people their own one as well Hmm. because this would have made a great half hour episode yeah all right so we are going to now give the movie a rating from zero to five uh to figure out just how good this is and normally it's just me and Jeff, which would give it a rating out of 10, but I'm just going to go ahead and average everybody's scores. So, <laughs> Chanel, what would you rate this movie? Um, I go last. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> By the way, John, I got to say, I love how we do it differently every time we have a guest. Like, there's a, Yeah, it don't matter. People keep a wiki of, of, of the scores we give these, and usually we give them a score out of 15, but it's been different like every time. It's true, and I will <laughs> never do it the same way. I love it. <laughs> so, Jeff, what do you think? This is a four and a half for me. This is this is the best movie I've seen in forever. Uh, largely, I mean, I, I would I, I was about to weaken that by saying largely because I I can't go to theaters now. But then I realized no, that's not the case. This is just a really good movie, and I had a really good time watching it. Awesome. So I'm I'm gonna go with a four and a half out of five. Uh, I, I think I'm right there with you. Uh, four and a half feels real good to me. It's, it's got a few issues. Like I said, there's just a little bit, uh, holding it back. I think from fully realizing its potential, but it is honestly, like say, it's a great movie. It's fun to watch. You know, it's got a lot of big ideas in there. And for the most part, it, actually manages to deliver on a lot of them and i i i know we didn't really even say this we, we barely talk about the uh the the lead actor in the movie at all um uh, just ju- we've been talking calling her by her character name the whole time uh l lorraine uh is so believable it, the, the performance oh, she's great yeah. yeah so i i i got i'm watching where she goes from here too that so yeah definitely a four out of five for me all right i Chanel. also okay so i also <laughs> feel <laughs> i also feel like very i want to give it a four and a half but i'm probably gonna teeter on four because i really like as a black woman i felt like i wanted a little bit more because this is something that's happening right now mm-hmm. a lot of women like are breaking through with natural hair um you know 
I've been going through the process for about like four years now of like breaking from relaxers and everything like that. And it's such a powerful thing to like add something magical to it that I was kind of like, uh, I just felt like, baby, give me hands, like, give me more, give me more. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> but it's, it's good. I, I totally agree with everything that you loved about it. And um, like, I agree too. like the casting was amazing. Um, everybody was so believable and believed into this world of that. This is real. And then ha- hair can actually move and is real. There is absolutely a hundred percent to magic in black women hair in real life. And I think that that was awesome to go on, but I was missing that extra oomph that a lot of people don't put in films that I'm like, Damn it. I almost kind of. But also, I love you. <laughs> like, if the movie had ended with the power of knot weaves, like, like yeah. if her natural hair had put was had been the thing to cut the weave off itself, that that right. might have been it. Yeah, and at the same time, like, full disclosure, I am all for literally do your hair however the fuck you want. If you cannot manage a natural hairstyle life and everything like that, like, and you find sew-ins better, and you find. Um, wigs to be more your style please do whatever you want to do there are some people out there who say if you do those things that it's actually not right and that it's you know very some lot of negative things you should be doing your hair however you want to however do it for the right reasons not conforming to what people think your hair should look like and how you feel your hair should look like based on how other people's hair looks like mm-hmm. um, I wanted that to be the message I mean I think but that's if- also my personal like pushing on to it well I mean, in the same way that the hair sort of stops Zora from doing it, because I don't Mm -hmm. think she really believes it's just hair. But if, say, Anna was able to do it because she does have that full rejection of that, she decides for herself she doesn't want it and she's able to because she has that power, that would be, you know, a good way to have it. Right. And not because it was wounded, because it was wet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can totally see where you're going with that. The, the this movie does almost kind of have a problem where the ending might as well be read as "Don't get a haunted weave." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but just get one by a different person because it's it's cheaper. Yeah, the, the real problem here is Laverne Cox. <laughs> yeah, who was uh, also taken over. <laughs> oh yeah. So there you go. Uh, total average and. 8.6 out of 10 for the three of us. <laughs> you know, that sounds about right anyway, so I'm fine. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. per- that's perfect. It was so good. Go watch this. Oh, it's yeah. on Hulu. I really enjoy- Please watch it. It's amazing. Chanel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I know I was going to watch the movie anyways, but now I get to like talk about it instead of to my cats who don't care this is yeah this was a lot of fun and you both are amazing and i love you both so much yeah everyone love your hair love yourself Um, and also your hair and i love yourself you're like the only person that i am friends with that enjoys horror movies so i'm so (laughs) glad to be able to have someone come on that also enjoys yeah i gave this a four and a half i enjoyed it (laughs) you did do good jeff and honestly i'm so happy i did this just to learn a little bit more about your hair history i mean i'm very happy that uh, you're you're happy with your hair now too. <laughs> yeah, as long as I as long as I vigilantly get rid of it, I'm exceedingly happy. <laughs> you know what? Come to me and I'll I'll help you style. I find some products for you. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you so much. We are 
of course, going to be back in another couple of weeks with some more Movie Mastery. And if you want to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash system mastery. Anything you give helps us out, helps us keep doing the show. And at the $5 level, we do have our TV Mastery, where we are quickly running through the last bit of season one of smallville and we've got a couple episodes coming up for the uh the next review and they're both dumb as hell yeah i can't wait to uh be super or, or uh really bring my tone down from how happy i was with this to how i felt about those oh yeah i couldn't let you get away with watching a good movie and then not torture you with shitty tv so <laughs> yeah yeah Fun. Jeff thinking, somebody save me! <laughs> Every week. Every other week. Uh, but yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting us. We will see you next time. And until then, you have a good one.